0: Welcome to Everyday Superhero where each week we share how everyone can be a superhero one world changer, one loving and positive thought at a time. I'm your host Vanessa Canavero and I'm ready to dive into this week's podcast adventure so buckle up and get ready to dream big always and always. For show notes and to find out a bit more about me and my coaching practice, my speaking engagements and all that fun stuff, head on over to thedreambiglife.com. See you there. Well, hello, Everyday Superheroes. I'm so happy to be back with you. If you remember last, uh, the last podcast on Monday, I was talking about my friend Kelly, and I was hoping I could get her onto the podcast in order to share her story and just let you guys know how magical she really is. So today, I am so excited to say that Kelly is here with us, Kelly Filardo, which is awesome. Now, Kelly is a motivational and inspirational speaker, a TEDx speaker a Five times best-selling author and a burn survivor. So everybody, please welcome this amazing superhero,
1: Kelly, to our show today. Hello, Kelly. <laughs> Hi, hey, Vanessa. Oh my God, you're you're so adorable. I just love you so much. Yeah, Thank you have. for having me on your show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we've known each other for quite a while, and we I'm have. So thrilled that you're here and that I have this podcast now in order to kind of highlight who you are because you've done this the most incredible things with your life. And you have come from a struggle, of course. And I'd like you to share your story with us because it's very inspirational. And I think it's going to touch a lot of people. And it's going to give people maybe a different perspective from somebody who has dealt with something that's been quite, I'm going to say overwhelming. And that's not the word I'm really looking for, but something that's quite. dramatic. Um, it's dramatic in a person's life, but how you've like totally shine and how you've just taken your life and moved it to something probably beyond your dreams when you were younger. So if you can share your story, Kelly, that would be so awesome.
1: Sure. well, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting when you, you think about a two-year-old that gets burnt to 75% of her body, which is what happened to me. You know, and you think about how tragic that is, that, you know, especially those of us who are a mom. And, you know, if you were to look in the hospital room and see your baby covered in, in bandages, not knowing whether she's gonna live or die, That was a situation that my mom was in, you know, fifty-one years ago. You know, my mom was twenty-one years old at the time, and um, she was actually pregnant for the third time with my daughter—or not my daughter, with her, (laughs) with my sister. (laughs) She was pregnant with my sister. But, anyways, we lived on a farm, and at the time, and uh, so my cousins were throwing shingles in a fire, and a spark came out and landed on my dress, and I exploded. And so they rushed me to the hospital, and I spent four months in the hospital. And again, my mom didn't know whether I was going to live or die. You know, she still tells me the story about um, the doctor. And she asked the doctor the night they brought me in to emergency. And she asked him, she said, she's going to like, what are her odds? And the doctor said, 50 50. Wow. And I was burnt, you know, two years old, 75% of my body. And I spent four months in the hospital at that time. Every two days I'd be in the operating room. And then every two years, until I was 20 years old, I'd have to go back to the hospital for more surgeries. And um, so I never ever thought I'd ever get married. I never thought I'd get kids, have kids. I was known as the ugly, scarfish girl. And um, I just never thought I'd ever have a good life. And, but I did, you know, actually when I was, 19 i met the man who became my husband and uh we lived together for about 10 years before we got married and then i said you know i i wouldn't mind having a baby but i didn't ever think i'd have a baby because as a burn survivor i thought well burn survivors don't have babies right i just didn't mm-hmm. think i physically could and it wasn't until i met cindy rudder who um there's another burn survivor in the U S and she was at the world burn conference with me. And I said, well, I don't think I can have kids. And she goes, what do you mean, Kelly? What do you mean you can't have kids? I said, well, burn survivors don't have kids. And she's like, what do you mean? I have two kids. And she said that girl over there has two kids and she's burnt way worse than you and I, she had no arms. And Mm -hmm. you know, and she said, well, what do you mean you don't think you can have kids? And I said, I don't know. I don't get it. I just don't think I can. But anyway, she goes, well, yes, you can. So we had a, uh, a daughter and I was so excited about having a daughter first because I thought, I wondered what I would look like without scars. And I wondered if, you know, having her first and I might know what I would look like. And then I got pregnant a second time. This time I lost a baby. So I still remember, you know, holding my little baby. And um, she was 28 weeks old, or yeah, 28 weeks, when I lost her, and that was probably more traumatizing than my burns, you know, because I blame myself for losing the baby, Mm -hmm. and um, and the worst part was that when I was five months pregnant, I looked down at my belly and I said, "It's okay if you don't make it," because he doesn't want you.
0: Oh my god! Because my
1: husband at the time didn't want a baby, another baby. So then two months later, when I lost her of course it was my fault i took all the blame i took all the guilt i took all the shame it was my fault as far as i was concerned so um and i thought i'd never ever have a chance to have another baby Mm -hmm. so anyways when the doctor um actually delivered her um he she said to me do you want to have an autopsy and I was like yeah absolutely because I wanted to know why why she passed away and sure enough what had happened was that her umbilical cord grew shut instead of open
0: oh my gosh I
1: know and you would think how would that How's happen that, yeah
0: is it possible
1: how is that possible right like it just doesn't make any sense to me at all we didn't even know what was happening there's no way that we could have even predicted this is what was going on so anyways i still had a lot of you know I was pretty upset, and I still remember my daughter. she was about a year and a half at the time, and i couldn 't even get out of bed for like a month, solid i couldn 't get out of bed, and I still remember my daughter pulling my arm out of bed, saying, "Mommy, I need to eat mm. right and so so anyways, um, you know I did get through that and everything, and eventually I got pregnant a third time, and this time. I was pregnant with twins
0: that's incredible first of all that you're pregnant with twins Mm -hmm. but how difficult that must have been
1: uh, also on your body right with it was uh, for a number of reasons well mostly because i was a burn survivor we didn't know if my scars were going to stretch enough but here was the beautiful thing about you know being pregnant with the twins i now had my answer as to why i lost my second baby that's she beautiful. was a gift. Yeah. The tragedy was a gift. Her, her death was, you know, she gave up her life so that we could bring the twin boys into the world because we never would have had the boy. We would have stopped at the two girls and we never would have brought the boys into the world. Yeah. And, and so I see that tragedy as a gift. Mm-hmm. And just like I see, you know, me getting burnt as a two year old as a gift. You know, at first, like when you're going through all these tragedies and everything, we see how horrible they are. But really, when you think about it, the two-year-old grew up, she got married, she had three kids, she went through a divorce, but then she became a, you know, a five-time best-selling author. She got you know, the Queen Elizabeth Diamond Jubilee Medal, but why do we say woman of distinction? She's done multiple TEDx talks. She's you know, got this, this documentary about her life story called Still Beautiful that has impacted over 10 million people. So really, is my life a tragedy?
0: Well, and first of all, I mean, you've got the most incredible story and I'm so grateful you're sharing it with everyone. Because, I mean, I think it's definitely going to help the world be a better place. Because you are a superhero. It's just amazing. And just being honored to know you is just something (laughs) I will tell you. But, I mean, there's a thousand questions I can ask you just from, you know, what you've just talked about. But I love your perspective. And I think that's one of the greatest things I love about you is your perspective on things isn't typical, I guess, right? You don't sit there and think, oh, my gosh, why is my life, why, you know, why is it like this, why? You're like, okay, this is what it is. How can I help everybody with this? And exactly. You turn something difficult into such a blessing, and not just for you, but literally for the world. Because what I know with your documentary, it's going to go worldwide. Which is, but we're going to talk about the documentary in a bit. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm not going to keep on track if I keep talking to you. So okay. So, so you had said you're a best-selling author. You are. You're a five-time best-selling author. Um, you've got a wide variety of books, though.
1: Right? I do. So tell me about your books. Like, what was the first one you wrote? The first one was No risks, No Rewards. And that was this book.: No risk. Okay. No reward. beautiful face on that: Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, And basically what happened was, when I decided 10 years ago that I wanted to be a speaker, my speaking coach at the time said, Kel, you need to have a book be, for two reasons. One is because when you speak for 20 minutes, 30 minutes an hour, people want to know more about you, and then they have a little piece of you that they can take home and learn more about you. The second reason is because if people ask you to speak for free. You've got a product you can sell. Okay? And so I said, okay, I didn't know how to write a book. I was like, I don't get it. I, you know, I don't have enough content in me to write a book. And a publisher turned me down. They said, no, you don't have as much of a story. We don't want to publish your book. And I was like, okay, fine. And, but that was when self-publishing was coming out. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, fine, I'll self-publish it. I don't need your permission to do it. I'm just going to do it. My coach said, I need it. I need it. Yeah. So I'm doing it. <laughs>
0: that's awesome and I know I know what it's like that um the indie publishing it was called back then right and how it was such a taboo because I mean I did it too right you were cool when cool wasn't cool kind of thing and now it's like the thing to do right so it's it was so it's kind of like to think that we were the groundbreakers in that whole industry for sure sure. all the knockdowns and then figuring it out so okay so your second book
1: my second book is called oh (laughs) where is it it's um it's called self-esteem doesn't come in a bottle and basically that one was written six months later. And um what happened with that book is another coach of mine said, Kel, you need to be a best-selling author. Because when you're a best you get to get on bigger stages, more stages, higher fees, more credibility. It just makes you look more like more like an expert and um, you know to be a speaker. And I was like, Okay, how am I gonna do that? And I didn't know how, but you know, I just believed that you don't ask questions you just do it yeah you just do it and you everything the answers just come to you right as you do it and that was my very first best-selling book so yeah so that was my first my my first best-selling book so number two was your first bestseller correct okay so number three number three is one thousand tips for teenagers And that was my first collaborator book. So that book I had 120 authors and they all wrote 10 tips for teenagers. Aren't you in that book? I'm not in that book. No, not in that one. I thought you were in that one too. No,
0: just just in the one that's coming up soon. Okay. (laughs) You're going to talk about right away.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that one was my second bestseller book. And um, yeah, we had a 120 authors each write the 10 tips and then we collaborated and we made that into a book. And then we had 120 of us pitching it. So it was awesome. That is awesome. That's okay. Then the book number four. Book number four is um, seven ways to embrace the real you. Nice. Yeah. And that was basically a webinar that I did. And so then I just translated it into a book. Great idea. First of all,
0: what's really cool about the industry now is that you can turn anything into a book. And if you think you don't have a story, you have a story and you found that right because of the first book, you're like, well, what am I going to say? You know, the publisher said I don't have a story. And then six months later, another book comes out like, okay, clearly I have a story that people want to hear. Right. That's right. You need how it rolls along. Okay, so book number five then.
1: Uh book number five would be Still Beautiful, the one you're in. There we go. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's the one that came into being a documentary that was on TV all over the Canada. And now we're trying to get it outside of Canada and everything. So um, but yeah, and that that's one of my latest favorite book because you know you're in it. Well, thank you. And
0: <laughs> so there's 23 authors <laughs> you know, totally. We had, it's 23, right? 23 authors?
1: 22. yeah. Yeah. So the first part of the book is my life story about the transcript for my documentary. And then the second half is about other stories, you know, beautiful people like yourself, Vanessa, Mm -hmm. um, sharing their stories about, you know, how they felt ugly at one point and how they shifted their thoughts to feel beautiful and how they discovered that their beauty was not about what they looked like. It was about their inner beauty. and and that was what I, I love about the book is that, you know, it's impacting people in, in incredible ways.
0: Well, you know, and I agree with you because you have so many different perspectives happening in that book. So if somebody can't relate to one story, they're going to be able to relate to something. Right. Because like you had said, there's cancer survivors. People survived for myself was bullying, right? And self-esteem burn survivors and like just so many abuse. I mean, there's so many different stories in there. Yeah. And Just from different points of view. And I think I love that. I love that idea of the collaboration. So, um, and of course, I'm honored to be part of that book. And it is Amazon international bestseller. So it's so it awesome. Is. It is. So so you had said it's based on your documentary, Still Beautiful. So, yeah. okay. So how did that come about where um, the, the decision was made to have a documentary made on your life?
1: And what was it
0: like sitting back and watching your life play out in front of you?
1: Okay. So this is the interesting thing. People always ask me, how did you get a documentary about your life story? And so here's what I did. I wrote a book proposal for Hay House and this book proposal was entered into a competition and it didn't win. So I had, I said to myself, well, why else did I write this book proposal? There's clearly another reason why. And I heard that little voice in my head say, email Brian. Brian works for the broadcaster, Accessible Media Incorporated. And Brian and I had a relationship because I had a different documentary played on there. And so I emailed Brian and I said, okay, Brian, I just wrote a book proposal for my life story called Still Beautiful. And I'm being encouraged to make a a documentary out of it. Um, I don't know, this might be a good idea or maybe it's a stupid idea, but maybe you guys are interested in it. So he emailed me back and he said, Kelly, there are no stupid ideas. Send over your book proposal. And sure enough, he put me in touch with the the manager of original programming. And he said, okay, I want a meeting with you. Are you interested in producing this yourself or co-producing it with us? And we will put money into the pot. And I said, I'm co-producing it. Are you kidding me? If you guys are putting money in the pot, I want it, right? (laughs) Yeah, of course. Exactly. And then they hired the production company and wrote the story and, you know, interviewed people and all that. They they came to, you know, my city and they filmed me for like five weeks. I mean, it was just crazy. Like a couple of summers ago where, you know, they were at my house. They even came with me to San Francisco to a speaking gig that I was doing. And it was just amazing. Um, So the big question was, when they actually finished making the documentary, their big question was, When should we let Kelly watch it?
0: Oh, I can see that. That would be the, yeah, because you want to see it. But probably in the back of your mind, you're kind of like, oh, maybe I don't. You know what I mean? Like that whole
1: thought process probably you went through, right? It was really challenging because they actually even recreated my accident of getting burnt. And so I still remember the day that they were filming that. They made it very clear to me that I was not allowed on set that day. I was not allowed to, to be there and they were filming it at my best friend's farm. She even had like the burning barrel, like the way her house was situated. It was exactly like, you know, on my farm because we're, we're best friends. Like we grew up together. Mm-hmm. And so her farm and my farm are like backyards from each other. So, um, so when they were filming that, they didn't want me there because they didn't know how I would feel. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to put anybody under any pressure. And they, they were really worried about what I'd be, what I would go through. And so that day was just, it was really hard. But anyways, that night what happened was my friend's husband, he did the pyrotechnics for the fire. And so he did this demo and he put it up on Facebook. And I happened to watch it's it. Hot. And it wasn't, it wasn't me, but it was like a dress that he had put on fire. And, he, and it exploded and, and he, you know, did this video of it and I watched it the first time, it didn't bother me. And then I watched it a second time and then I watched it a third time. Yeah. And then that was when the whole emotional thing took over for me
0: because mm-hmm. you, yeah. you have memories of it happening still right no you, I don't you don't okay so you could relate I, to what you were doing going through at that moment probably was the
1: I could I, I don't remember the accident I don't remember nothing till I was about five years old and in fact I didn't even know how I got burnt until I was about 18 oh wow and so my my memory had completely blocked it out so then when they did the documentary they didn't know if they should show me the rough cut or wait until it was in its final format, and then show it to me. Mm -hmm. But they decided that they would show me the rough cut. And then I had to make a decision. Did I want to watch it by myself or watch it with somebody? Mm -hmm. And they're in Toronto, so they couldn't come watch it with me. And they really, ideally, that's what they wanted was to watch it with me, so that they could support me in whatever emotions that I was going to go through. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing was, I asked Three different people, if they could come watch it with me, and all three canceled. Oh wow! Yeah, and I like I asked one person and they canceled, and then I asked another person and they canceled, and then I asked the third person and they couldn't they canceled, and I thought, okay, there's a reason why I'm I'm supposed to watch this alone, Mm -hmm. right? And so I watched it alone, and yes, it was very, very traumatizing for me to watch it. Mm-hmm. because i didn't really see my accident right so i didn't know and so th- that put a visual to it and it was interesting because my friend that did the pyrotechno he like he's known me for 20 some years yeah 20 yeah probably 25 no 25 years he's known me and so when they were doing the filming at his farm you know he said he said to me says you know cal like i always knew how you got burnt, but when I was watching them do it, I was like, Oh my God, that's Kelly. That's actually what happened. And he said, while they're filming, even he was getting emotional. And so, um, so yeah, so it was very challenging to watch mm-hmm. because it put the visual to it.
0: Mm-hmm. It connected it, probably connected those dots. So you, not you I'm saying you wondered about, but you probably had in the back of your mind thinking, okay, so what really happened? So your mom, your mom watching this, Because first of all, what was her thought processes when you said, hey, mom, they're going to do a documentary on my life? Was she encouraging or was she like, oh, honey, you know, maybe we should kind of slow down? Or what was kind of her thought processes with that? And then after she had a chance to see it.
1: Um, At first she was, okay, why? Right? Like, why do you want to do it kind of thing? Um, She was all in. She was a little bit nervous, though, when it was getting closer to the date Mm -hmm. of the filming for her because they filmed her. Um, so what we did is we made sure like the director and the producers and everything got to meet her, you know, the director wanted to have dinner with her and, you know, the family and just kind of get really, really comfortable with her and him so that she would be okay with them um, filming and everything. Mm-hmm. And my mom really loved the director. So she was like totally on board with it. That was no problem. Um, but, she, you know, she was of course worried about, you know, the crying and everything. Cause she cries in it and, um and then when she watched it my sister was with her so i did like a small like on the launch day that they launched it on tv i had like what well, was supposed to be a small event but it, it ended up being like 90 people um because all my friends that i like i invited just my close friends but they all said yes they wanted to be there so i had to rent the um the golf course and have it at the clubhouse there. And so my sister came and she made sure that she was there to hold my mom's hand while she was going through it. The beautiful thing about my mom watching it was that she finally forgave herself. She finally forgave herself and realized that this was meant to happen so that she could also help people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A tough thing for me, you're being a mom now too, thinking about, you know, what she went through and now being a mother yourself, relating that back to your own kids. I bet you is, you know, quite eye-opening, and the understanding the feeling she had as you were growing up, right?
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's really kind of fascinating because my daughter is going to be 21 in June. And so when I look at her and I think, oh, my gosh, that's how old my mom was when I got burnt. And she had already been pregnant. Like this was her third pregnancy. And here, you know, then I got burnt in August. Well, here's the funny thing. Well, not funny. My birthday is in July. I turned two. I got burnt six weeks later. And then my sister was born four months later.
0: Oh my gosh. So my
1: sister was born in November. And then I got out of the hospital in 10 days before Christmas.
0: Wow. Your mom was like overwhelmed, but how strong she must be. She must be an
1: incredibly strong woman. Well, and they were very worried because they thought she actually might lose my sister. Wow. Because, you know, stress and being pregnant they they thought there was a good chance that I would lose the baby. And so my mom was devastated because she actually also gave up her first baby for adoption when she was 16, mm-hmm. a, a baby girl. So she gave her up at 16, pregnant with me at 19, and then at 21, pregnant again. And here she was going to almost, well, they they thought for sure that I w- they were going to lose me. And I mean, you got to meet Dr. Simizu at the screening that we did in Victoria. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Dr. Simizu, um, I... I got to meet him again after what, 30 years of not seeing him. And, you know, he was telling me and my mom some stories about, you know, a couple of times that I almost died on the operating room table. And so, you know, it's, it's fascinating knowing this stuff now, right? Um, at the time, of course, it would have been devastating, but he had no idea where I was. He had no idea that Well, he knew, I think he kind of thought I might still be alive because I saw him when I was 20 years old. That was like my last operation. Mm -hmm. After that, we never saw each other. So he didn't know where I was. He didn't know that I was a speaker. He didn't know the impact that's saving my life, you know, that him saving my life had on the world.
0: Wow. And he's quite proud of it. I mean, we saw that in Victoria. Yeah. And
1: you saw him, you know, the tears in his eyes and everything. And his wife was there. And it was such a beautiful moment. It truly was. Awesome. Yeah. So what
0: did your kids think after they saw the documentary? I mean, you, you've you've told them, of course, you shared your story with them before, but having a chance to actually visually see it, what did they think about it?
1: Uh, they liked it. You know, my kids, it's kind of interesting. I think because they grew up with me being this way, they don't see me as any other way. And they don't see me as a burn survivor. They see me as mom. You're just mom. <laughs> right. And, you know, what was really fascinating is that they see me being a single mom because i got a divorce 10 years ago so they see that i'm still out there accomplishing my dreams and you know when i when i really think about my life story in the last 10 years like you know i've been to africa and i took my daughter with me that was always my dream to go to africa and so when she was 14 she got to go with me you know um we started up the Blankets for burn kids where i took one of my paintings and made it into a blanket and, and now and we give the blankets away and they've seen me you know become a painter they see me you know I'm writing books I'm becoming authors and coaching people to be best-selling authors you know um my one son too um I've always wanted to skydive and so for the documentary we did a fundraiser and um everybody had to raise a thousand dollars and then they got to skydive for free and then that money was used to buy the blankets and then we gave those the kids blankets at summer holidays right and their summer camp and so Cody and Parker and Alec got to skydive with me as a single parent you know a lot of times a single parent can't afford to spend money on that mm-hmm. but somehow I was able to find a creative fundraising way to do it and so my kids have seen me take a challenge and somehow turn it around you know and now my son and I have started up um, a monthly tea club where you know people can buy five different kinds of tea it's a tea blender pack and they get it once a month and then you know and so this is something that we're doing together we just did it during the pandemic and we thought why not we've got the time it's going to be very low cost to start up and we want to work together so why not do it
0: that's awesome like what awesome role modeling awesome show of resilience first of all right for you right but what you know an entrepreneurial lifestyle you guys have. And you're you're teaching your kids that, right? That you their Life is limitless. You can be anything and do anything you want. You just have to do it. If it doesn't work out. We'll do something else.
1: Exactly. And that's what I love about you is that, you know, in today's age, we can market for free. You know, like you mm-hmm. can go on Facebook and, and like even my paintings that I have in the background, right? Like I would do a painting and I'd put it up on Facebook and I'd say, okay, who wants to buy it? And people would say, I want to buy it. And I made like $400 on a painting. That's awesome. right. So to me, like, I'm glad we have having this pandemic now, when we're in a way that we can still access the world, and we can market ourselves, and we can come up with ideas, and we can make things happen. And you're right. Like, if it doesn't work, oh, well, okay, next. What are we trying next?
0: yeah try the next thing the world the world is a very different place right now of course but this um the use of social media the fact that we have internet has definitely brought the world closer together but also it's opened up so many crazy opportunities you just have to find that opportunity that fits you
1: absolutely and that's exactly it like I never I didn't think ten years ago I'd be opening up a tea company with my son <laughs> that wasn't on the horizon that was horizon <laughs> You know, even 10 years ago, I didn't think I'd have a life a documentary about my life story. I didn't know I'd be a best-selling author. I didn't know that I would do multiple TEDx talks. I mean, I didn't know nothing. You're just thinking I of just, the
0: next step to take after the divorce, right? Well, what step do I take now? You didn't think there would be these massive accomplishments happening.
1: Well, and here's the, the interesting thing. When I went through my divorce, well, actually, uh, before that, my husband stopped. And he said, okay, and I'm like, okay. And the twins were dressed four. So they were dressed starting to go to school. And I said, okay, watch me. I will. And two days later I had a job downtown. So then to make a long story short, what happened was um, I decided I wanted to be a speaker and I started making that happen. And then I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to end my marriage. And I did. So I still had a full-time job. I had my, um, scrapbooking business plus I was being a speaker and and I was married right well and then I went through that that whole divorce thing I sold my business gave him his half of the money and then four months later my boss came to me and she said okay I have a question to ask you I had like the worst performance review in my life and she said to me are you going to be excited to come to work on Monday or relieved if you don't have to I don't like, oh I just hit myself on the yeah. chest I was like Frick, that hit me right to my core because I knew that I, did, I wanted to be a speaker full-time, but I just left my marriage four months earlier. Yeah. How was I now going to go from no income with, with a man, right, no support that way, to now no job? And need to
0: have three kids and needing to pay for a mortgage and needing to
1: you know have some sort of life. Exactly. And, and he said to me, I could only leave the marriage if I gave him the house and the kids. So I went and I moved in with my aunt and uncle in the basement. And so here I am now, four months later, also being told I'm going to lose my job. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And it was just like, you know, it was like my boss was the mother bird and I was the baby bird. And she's pushing me out of the nap.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, when, when the baby bird learns to fly for the first time, does she ever hit the ground? No. no. She dips and she goes right back up and she flies higher than ever before.
0: Yeah.
1: Higher. That's right.
0: right. Build your wings on the way down, right?
1: That's, so that's right. Happens, yeah. That's right. And so I said to myself, um, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I read this women's magazine and every second page it said, follow your passion full time, follow your passion full time, follow your passion full time. I to the middle and it said in big block letters, why don't you trust that God will provide you everything you need? Oh, wow. And I slammed it shut and I was so mad. And I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. And I asked myself that question one more time. Are you going to be excited to come to work on Monday or relieved if you don't have to? And I went into work that day or the next day, packed up my office, sent my boss an email. You're right. Today's my last day.
0: Wow. a Massive life change. Oh, yeah, total. But just, you know, when when some people, some people would look at it and go, like, I mean, you were, of course, you were worried, you were panicked, because you think of all these possible scenarios that could happen. And some people would dwell in that. Yeah. Right? And take the, have fear overtake them and not make another step and be stuck in a life that they dread. But you decided not to do
1: that. No, exactly. Um, At that point, I was on to my second book, Self-Esteem Doesn't Come in a Bottle. And I just thought, okay, what? What can I do now? And I just asked myself, what, what next? And I said to myself, what if I could market myself 40 hours a day, a week instead of working in an office for 40 hours a week? Yeah. Like, where could I go? Right? So it was, I got on the horn. And, you know, the fascinating thing, too, was where I was living, my aunt and uncle's house, they had no internet. Oh, my. No internet.
0: So you had to so go elsewhere for your internet or use the phone,
1: Right use your phone or i would go to starbucks and i would stay at starbucks all day i'd order tea so that i could just get hot water and refill it every day yeah you know and um i worked at starbucks i worked at people's houses i i went wherever i needed to go and every day i would be pitching myself as a speaker i'd be writing my book i'd be launching it anything towards my dream is what i would do and i wouldn't let anything stop me it was just like what is it going to take and that's what I would do. That's what you did. And
0: what a lot of people don't know is, when you're p- pitching yourself as a speaker or pitching um, a story idea or anything like that, is your first as you're trying to figure out how to pitch it it's a disaster. You're scared. You're, you're like, this sounds ridiculous. I don't even know what to say. You know, all these things, right. You're you're going through your mind. So that in itself is hard enough to find the right way to say something. So it intrigues somebody enough to want to take it to the next level or even consider talking to you. Right. So I think a lot of people yeah. think it's an, e- it's not an easy thing. So it definitely wasn't an easy road for you uh, to get where you are right That's now. That's right. Yeah.
1: It wasn't, it wasn't. And it was like, I had to do the total shift, right. From, uh, no longer the nurturer mother to being, you know, the provider, right? And when like you talk
0: about yourself, which is hard, it's hard to talk about yourself if you don't love yourself and you don't see value in what you you have lived through and who you are. Right. And I'm yeah. glad that you found that value, that you've seen it. Cause I'm sure before you said, you said, because your marriage was difficult, you didn't have that. You didn't That's have right.
1: how great you were. Right. Yeah, that's right. You know, and when I said I wanted to be a speaker, my husband said to me, well, who's going to listen to you? Yeah. Right. Because, you know, we were going through a bankruptcy or a possible bankruptcy. We were, you know, in a toxic marriage. We were, you know, like life wasn't good. It wasn't good. And, but it was like, I saw the world as full of possibilities. He saw the world as full of doom and gloom. Yeah. He could just see the bills and everything piling up and how bad everything was. And I saw, well, hold it, if I do this, this, and this, I'm gonna do this, gonna get this, this, and this result. Mm-hmm. so it's up to me. you can like you said, I mean, some people will just let something stop them dead in the tracks and not move forward. when there was times I didn't want to get out of bed, and you know, I still remember there was a time when um oh, just a few years later when I got my own place and all of a sudden, then it was like, okay, now my bills had, had doubled. And again, I just had to find a way to make money mm-hmm. and I would do anything and everything. It took, I'd even have a part-time job. I'd be painting. I would do whatever it took, but there was a time when I would sit at the end of my bed or on the floor with my iPad and I would, I was Googling how to end my life. Wow. And there were three non-negotiables. One was that uh, my kid couldn't find me, right? Like I didn't want my kid to be the one to find me because then they would take the blame. Mm-hmm. Um, it had to be painless and it had to be final. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't want to end up in a hospital somewhere, you mm-hmm. know, and now have a whole new set of problems. And, you know, I still think about that day and it's like, I thought about my kids. Yeah. You know, I thought about my kids and I still remember one time, um, Parker, my one son, saying to me, he said, you know, mom, I was dropping him off at school a couple years, yeah, about a year and a half ago, I was dropping him off at school. And he said, you know, mom, some of my friends complain about their moms. And I tell them, no, I can't relate. I don't get, I don't understand he Said, I'm proud of my mom. I love her.
0: Oh, how beautiful.
1: Right. You know, and um, it was like, oh, my God, that's just so powerful. That is
0: powerful. It makes you, it made you realize I'm doing something right. I did it right. Exactly.
1: I am not the bad mom that I might think I am sometimes. Yeah. And I
0: guess every mom probably has that thought process as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that definitely. Okay. So your documentary, where can people find the Still Beautiful documentary?
1: They can go to ami.ca and search for Still Beautiful. I'm not sure the exact URL, but yeah, search for Still Beautiful. Perfect. At ami.ca,
0: and I will definitely include that in the in the podcast show notes as well, so yeah. people can get a chance to watch the documentary because it is fantastic. It's a fantastic. It documentary. Okay, so you're a TEDx speaker as well. I am. First of all, how did that happen? And what was it like being a TEDx speaker? Because that's a massive accomplishment too.
1: It is. Okay, so that was probably one of the scariest speeches I've ever done, even though it was only a hundred people. It was because I usually speak from the heart. So usually I plan my opening, my closing, whatever comes out in the middle is what I, I feel like I'm, you know, compelled to say. Mm-hmm. I, I just let my heart speak. But with the TEDx speech, you have a specific format that you want to follow and it has to be done within a certain time frame. And I wanted to do ugly is still so beautiful but ugly is an acronym. And so throughout the speech, I spell out what ugly really stands for. Um, How it happened, basically, is I hired a coach, took his program, that's with Corey Poirier. Mm -hmm. And um, so one of his suggestions is that you put a topic idea up on Facebook, and then you research it. What does your tribe want? So I did. And so what happened was, One of my Facebook friends contacted me. and She said, hey, I noticed that you want to do a TEDx talk. And I said, yeah, I do. She goes, oh, I just got my TEDx license, and I'd be honored to have you on my stage.
0: Wow. Things happen for a reason, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that was how I got the first one. And then the second one, what happened was um, we found out that they were doing one here in my local city in Edmonton. And uh, so I just applied for it, and they accepted it. So, but you're right. It's, it's a huge accomplishment for anybody that wants to be a speaker or an author. I highly recommend become a TEDx speaker. Mm-hmm. It will give you incredible credibility. Uh, people love knowing they're hiring a TEDx speaker.
0: That's, well, yeah, it has that credibility behind it. I mean, TEDx yeah. is a, an amazing platform and That's it's right. inspirational and it's always positive.
1: And when are you doing yours?
0: Well, you know, I was just like, talking. I'm just like, okay, I better write that one down. <laughs> Kelly's gonna ask me that question. <laughs> okay, that's in the works. That's in, I'm I'm planning that in my life here. <laughs> okay, good. So, um, your TEDx speeches—they can be viewed still, right? They're on YouTube as well. Well, the one is the other one isn't. Okay. So
1: how many views is. do you have on the one? Because I know it was not very 20. many. Really? It's, no, I mean I think it's at, sitting at about 3,500. But Goldcalf did a video about my life story, and that one had 9.7 million views. Wow. Okay. So So I'm going to
0: ask you to send me links to both of them. Okay. And I'm going to add them in the podcast notes. Because, I mean, people are going to want to watch this because it's amazing. You've got an incredible story, Kelly. I'm just going to keep saying that. People are going to be like, oh, that's all she says. But it's true. You've got an amazing (laughs) story. Okay. So you've done all these incredible things with your life.
1: What's next for you? Oh, my gosh. You know, I always hate when people ask me what's next. You know, because... I honestly don't know what's next. I really don't. Right now I've been coaching people to write books and become best-selling authors. I love it. I love seeing people actually, you know, come up with a book and actually, you know, do it and accomplish it. So I love that part of it, but there's still that piece of me that, you know, wants to get back on stage and, you know, we're all going through this whole COVID virus. So I am just, it's, it's, um it's killing me not being on stage it really is and i don't know why it is it's just um i think because i well no i think it's just because i love to be able to get up there and just really share people some heartfelt stories you know and get them inspired to transform their own lives and love who they are and see their value oh yeah so, absolutely
0: so yeah. okay let's say somebody wants to get a hold of you for uh, coaching whether it's through the writing publishing through coaching for life for um, you know booking you for an event or just wanting to get to know Kelly how do they how do
1: people contact you okay so I have a couple of different things one is they can go to my um, this is my online calendar so book Kelly dot me and you can get a 15 minute free call with me okay so a free coaching call they can do that Okay. The other thing they can do is if they want, they can text the word TOOL, the one 414 1768 And if you text the word TOOL to that number, you get my Perseverance Toolkit. Oh, wicked. Okay.
0: Perseverance Toolkit. So, yeah,
1: 1-877-414-1768, oh. and they, the word TOOL, and then you will get my Perseverance Toolkit. That is fantastic. I
0: don't even know how you set
1: that stuff up. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> I'll teach you. It's easy. Perseverance Toolkit. Fantastic. Well, Kelly, this is in me. Of course, uh, your website. Oh, kellypilardo.com. And then an email address or contact if they want to per-
1: privately. Uh, they can go book kellytospeak at dreammail.com. Okay. And then you're on Facebook as well. I am Facebook, Instagram. I have tons of followers on Instagram, but I don't know how I got them. (laughs) I'm not an Instagram girl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. You can find you everywhere. You are all over the place. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being on this fabulous podcast, but thank you for being an everyday
1: superhero because you are a life changer. Oh, thank you. And thank you. I'm so honored to be on your show because you know what? It takes one superhero to know another superhero. (laughs) You're so sweet.
0: You're so <laughs> sweet. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And remember to dream big always and always. I love you. Catch you on the flip side. Do you know a superhero should be featured on the Everyday Superhero Podcast? Hook us up. Send me an email at the dreambiglife at gmail.com.